is the nature of biblical prophecy. Does it tell us in detail the timing of key future events if we just can sort of parse it or figure it out? Or is the biblical prophecy that we have of a very different character than involves date setting or prognostications about the future? Well, the first thing to say about prophecy in the Bible is it's a late word from God. It's a revelation from God. And if we're talking about apocalyptic prophecy that's visionary prophecy in books like Daniel or Ezekiel or the book of Revelation in the New Testament, we're talking about a kind of prophecy that reveals things that you couldn't just figure out on your own. It's something only God knows, and as the word apocalypsis implies, it's the unveiling of a secret or a mystery. Um, in the first place, prophecy is soothsaying, truth-saying. It's telling us the truth about the past or the present or even the future. So it's not just focused on the future. Biblical prophecy is about telling the truth from God's point of view about some subject matter. So, for example, when David confronts, uh, is confronted by the prophet Nathan, and Nathan tells a little parable about a ewe lamb that's stole by a wealthy person from a poor farmer, and David is outraged, uh, Nathan says to David, you're the man. The point of this parable that I was telling is to confront you with your sin in regard to Bathsheba. And so he does. Well, now that's truth-telling about an event that happened in the past, telling the truth in the present to remedy the situation. Prophecy is about telling or revealing God's truth, whether about the past or the present or sometimes about the future. But when biblical prophecy has to do with the future, okay, here's the thing. Most of biblical prophecy that has to do with the future has to do with the near future. That is, shortly after the time that the biblical prophet was speaking. So, for example, in Isaiah 7, we have this famous prophecy, a virgin will conceive and give birth to a child, and we shall call his name Emmanuel. In the first instance, this is a reference to an event that's, that's happening uh, or is going to happen during the time of Isaiah the prophet. We're told that it's going to happen during the um, Syro-Ephraimite war period and, and that it will happen probably to somebody that Isaiah knows. Uh, it may have been a child of Hezekiah. Some uh, scholars have even conjectured it refers to a child of Isaiah himself. It's a prophecy about the near horizon that then takes on a fuller meaning or fuller sense when it's reinterpreted in light of Christ. In the first instance, it was not specifically about a distant king, it was about a near king, but it came to have a fuller sense or be, to be more fully fulfilled in the person of Christ. And this is something that's characteristic of all the New Testament writers. They believe that all the promises and all the prophecies of God are finally and ultimately fulfilled in Christ and not elsewhere, okay? When an Old Testament prophet, however, clears his throat and wants to talk about the more distant horizon, he almost always talks in highly metaphorical ways. He says things like, we'll beat the swords into plowshares and study war no more, 
or the lion will lie down with the lamb without thinking of lamb chops and everything will be fine in the future. He uses metaphorical, he uses even Garden of Eden imagery to describe the distant future. I think there's a reason for this. When the distant future is the subject, the picture becomes more generic, more universal, and less particular. Not more particular, less particular. Why? Because God reveals enough about the future to give us hope, but not so much that we don't have to live by faith every single day. So one of the things that we don't get from Old Testament prophecy or New Testament prophecy is a timetable of when all of these things are going to happen and how long it's going to be before the next thing that happens and so on. We have lots of reason for great expectations and no basis for prognostications and calculations. And anyway, any time any Christian in the last 2,000 years has gone for the theological jackpot of predicting when Jesus is coming back and all these final eschatological events like the resurrection of the dead are going to transpire, there's been a 100% failure rate. There are two reasons for this. First of all, those prophecies were not specific in that way. They were not telling us a timetable of when Jesus was coming back. Indeed, Mark 13, 32 says that when he was on earth, even Jesus the Son didn't know the day or hour when the Lord would return. If it's good enough for Jesus, it ought to be good enough for us as well in regard to those things. So we need to satisfy ourselves with accepting great expectations and a general picture of the final revelation of God when Christ returns but not give way to calculation and prognostication for this second reason. That's our attempt to get a hold of the future and control it. And God will not let anyone control the future but himself. Mm -hmm.